Hello my friends, Nigel here and welcome to Backable, the podcast where we explore the top performance habits in both business and life. Today, Volodimo Global and Backable Power Team Tim and Alana sit down to ask the question, where are you playing the victim in your life? Now whilst this can be a confronting question, it is also a very powerful one, which, if asked frequently and answered honestly, can change your current trajectory. It's a really important discussion, particularly in our current times. Hope you enjoy. I'm trying to work out whether I should admit how much I enjoy The Little Mermaid. Now, when I was younger, it was my favourite cartoon to watch with my brother and sister. But... All Disney films, films in general, or basically any great story has a thing called the hero's journey. And the hero's journey is a narrative archetype. And basically, it goes like this. There's going to be an adventure. The character's going to learn a lesson. They're going to win a victory. They're going to finally have some newfound knowledge. And they're going to return home transformed. Insert every Disney story you like. But there's more to it than this because as much as it's a narrative archetype, it's actually all of our stories. We're all living our own hero's journey. We're all going through a life where this happens that I'm sure if you sat back and said, let's look at my journey at the moment where you're learning, acquiring knowledge, having victories, and it has a daily impact, it has a monthly impact, and it has a lifetime impact. But in business, we actually have to work out where we are on our journey and start to calibrate the attitude we need to approach the journey. And here's the problem. None of us are really special. This is going to happen to all of us. The old saying, life's pretty tough, business is pretty tough. Lana and Nigel, I want to talk today about one of our little secret herbs and spices, which we speak about internally in all our companies, which is victim versus victor. And this is around how we approach challenges in our business during growth. Not just bad challenges, but good challenges. And I want to talk a little bit around, particularly now where there's a lot of overwhelm, a lot of anxiety, a lot of people going through what they would probably not realise being their hero's journey. I thought we were going to talk about the Little Mermaid. I was quite excited. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes me want to go fishing. I don't know why, but I probably shouldn't say that. (laughs) Yes, hero's journey. (laughs) The hero's journey. Now, when we talk about it, which is this victor versus victim mentality, what we're talking about is, do we begin at cause and effect or cause or effect, which means where are we focused when challenges come up in our business? Everyone out there listening, think about the biggest challenge you're going through in your business right now and where are you focused in that part of the challenge because the way we focus on most of our challenges will determine the actual outcome at the end of the day. And it's most likely a bit of a learnt skill to focus on the positive or the good when a problem comes up as opposed to well, with me, this always keeps happening to me. So anyone listening, it's not an easy thing we'll be chatting about today. It is actually a learnt skill, a bit of a muscle that when a problem comes up, do you look at the possibility once you get over the problem or do you just think, well, after this, there'll be another problem? And as leaders, we need to then work out, are we cultivating a culture where people are approaching challenges from the victorious point of view, that as soon as something comes up, they're looking at how do we solve that, not why is it always happening to us. This attitude can be a cancer for businesses. If you don't identify it early, 
particularly in yourself, by the way, but if you don't identify it early in a company, you start to create a cultural, a cultural bias towards people expecting problems and people allowing themselves to have the time and energy to dwell on things that have no positive impact when dealing with a situation. And that's also quite interesting because it's also a culture of being okay to be wrong. A lot of the times you'll look at what could go wrong as opposed to being confident enough that if something goes wrong, you can fix it. And if you're always looking at the negative or what could go wrong, you're often not going to take that step forward to fix the problem or solve the problem because you're so scared of what might actually come from it. The first basis of this whole idea is you actually have to start from a point of view that I'm going to win. And this is not an easy thing, but you actually have to start with a little bit of ego, which is, I know I'm going to get through this. We'll we'll leave this one to you, shall we? Oh, well, okay. (laughs) As well as yours. (laughs) But I think that's right. And this this is the challenge we see with smaller businesses. We particularly have met a lot of people over the years that are great people, but as soon as things don't go according to plan, they fall apart really quickly. Not their businesses so much, even though they think their businesses are falling apart. But you can see that they're no good as soon as things fall or go outside the lines of their plan, their master plan. And they're not used to instability. They're not used to having to use entrepreneurial muscles to solve problems. Everything has to have a perfect way of going about it or they literally can't deal with it because as soon as there's a problem, they spend so much time following the road of that problem down to its very worst case scenario that by the time they step back, they're basically depressed because you know something small happens and they take that seed and they look 10 years down of what would happen if that seed comes to fruition and it's just, it's a nightmare. But they equally don't do the same thing with good things. So actually, as soon as something smells like a problem, their world's collapsing. Do you remember, Lana, the nursery? Was it a nursery rhyme, Chicken Little? The sky is falling? Uh, not a nursery rhyme. It's a book. It's a movie. A fable? It's a fable. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember how it goes? Was it an acorn, uh, acorn, Nigel, that keeps falling on Chicken Little's head? The acorn <laughs> fell on Chicken Little's head at the start. I'm going to go to the movie because I have a four-year-old and I've recently watched this. <laughs> I was trying to go, yeah. okay, I haven't thought about it for 15 years yeah. and it's just popped up to my head. But basically the chicken's walking under the tree. Yep. The acorn falls on his head and now he thinks the sky is falling. Oh, Lana, I'm going to make sure you watch it. You're not I've familiar with such it. a thing? In the movie, there's aliens. No, that's not true. <laughs> Why are you ruining this story? No, there is in the movie. In Chicken Little. What? In Chicken Little, there's aliens. Yeah. Because the acorn falls on the head in the middle and then the father apologises to everyone because they destroy the whole town because they're panicked. And then it figures out that later on aliens are actually uh, coming to visit them uh, because of, I think it's berries. That's what it comes down to. Great. So I was trying to break a metaphor, but, <laughs> but Nigel's managed to take that right offline and talk well, about don't it. Don't ask me about the movie. Um, <laughs> I'm a traditionalist. So the traditional movie yes. or the traditional fable of Chicken Little is basically an acorn falls on the chicken's head. Mm-hmm. And so the reaction is, well, the whole sky is falling. And eventually they go through and they meet the wise owl who says the sky is not falling. But this is really what happens with business owners. And I should say that it is probably highly geared towards smaller or more inexperienced business owners. You sort of see people who've been in the game for quite a while and they start to just realize that every problem is not their whole business imploding. But this is the whole idea is where in your business are you allowing an acorn to drop on your head and think the whole thing's now collapsing? Because you're looking at that acorn as it's not just an acorn falling, the whole sky is collapsing on me. And this is a really important idea because if you as the leader are 
overreacting to the smallest problem. You allow the smallest problems to completely change your culture, allow your problems to actually ruin everyone else's day because you're stressing about it and you're bringing energy to that place. This creates this victim mentality in your company and it'll eventually come back and bite you. And I think if it happens to you and if you allow it in your company, then you can't be shocked when everyone around you in your company has got the same mentality. So it's actually this big snowball effect of what it is that you're responsible for. And in past podcasts, we've spoken about leadership, strategy, the right team around you. All of this comes back to the fact, though, of you being comfortable enough that when a problem's there, you've got all the tools around you that it will be okay. For me, what I take away from this idea of victim versus victor, as you've said, you're not special. Everyone goes through problems. What we're talking about or what you're getting at with the acorn, acorns are going to fall. Are you going to, you know, put it in acorn soup? Yeah, I think acorns are wrapper. But I was talking about, <laughs> I was talking about, uh, I'm talking about an acorn. But you know what? Acorn at one point will fall. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. But we won't, yeah, no, leave that. <laughs> okay. Acorn, yes. But yes, I think Corn. everyone out there is here. So. <laughs> oh, well. This one may never get published. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone off the rails. But, no, but, but you're right. And this is, I guess what we want to come back to is where are you from, first of all, from a leadership point of view, where are you approaching problems from? So are you coming from cause or effect? When a problem occurs in a business and you're in full power as a leader, you're looking at what was it that led us to this point, not the outcome. Because there shouldn't really be too many surprises from everyday things. The surprises come with something out of left field and then you go, great, is it something we could have controlled? Yes or no? Like no one could have controlled the pandemic. Could we have done different things? Yes, but that's only in hindsight and it probably still wouldn't have been worth the effort and energy because it's such an unexpected thing for most smaller businesses. Bigger businesses have obviously planned for these type of things a little bit better, some I should say. But where are we fighting our problems from? And this is this whole calibration is what Lana was talking about is, is your company always coming from a point of view of we will be victorious, so let's just sort it out, as opposed to here is a problem and whose fault is it? And I think if we take that, because that's probably the most common one, is this idea of why does it keep happening to me? Yeah, this is, so this is pure victim mentality. Pure victim. And this is definitely sole trader, SME, because the more experience you get, the more you realise no one really cares what you do and it's not about you, it's a bigger yep. world. But it is a really easy one to fall in when you're stressed, when you're tired, when you're overwhelmed, when you've had enough, that you almost throw your hands up and say, this keeps happening. My question is, yeah, why does it keep happening to you? What do you keep doing that allows this? So the question we use is, why does this process keep failing? That's a nice way of putting it, yep. <laughs> why does this person keep failing in their position? Whatever it is, it's not, nothing's happening to us ever. Our job as a leader is to calibrate what we do and our job is to look at a scenario and make sure that cog in your machine is working well to get the desired result. That's all you have to do. So no one's doing a good or bad job. If someone's failing in a position, it's very easy. Are they the right person for the position? Is it unrealistic with the objectives that we've set or the resources we've given to execute that decision? But nothing's happening to you. And this is the whole idea is as soon as you say, why do things keep happening to me? You're basically taking on the arrogance of you're the center of the universe. You are an observer of things happening and your job is to make decisions that push you towards your goals, not further away. That's it. I had a really interesting experience with this and I don't know if I've actually told either of you this story. When I was in yoga, 
back in the day, don't laugh, Nigel. We were doing this really hard position. And the yoga instructor, as everyone in this class is going through this very difficult hold, told us the story of how when he first started to do this position, the teacher came up to him because he was really, really struggling, got down to eye level and said, why are you struggling? What makes you think the next pose is going to be any easier? And it was this moment of why does this keep happening to me? When I get through it, it'll be better. And the assumption that, (laughs) (laughs) not to be depressing, but the grass is always greener. Well, what if there's another five really hard poses? It never gets better. No. (laughs) It never gets easier. But you're going to build muscle, you're going to build fitness, you're going to build resilience, you're going to do everything by being in this difficult pose. You may as well commit to the fact that it could still be bad, but the purpose of you doing this, why you get up at 5am to go for a run or why you started your business in the first place, no one said it's going to be better, but it will get you to that point of why we're here. And that's always resonated with me of this victim versus victor. If you can keep going and not assume things get better, you actually kind of enjoy the process. Not to sound quite dull. Or- no, it's not dull, but we should break that down because I think we've spoken about it in earlier podcasts, which is everyone assumes they're pushing through to make life easier. And we actually in our private group the other week, we had this big discussion, which is you shouldn't be asking, when will this be easier? You should be asking, when will I be stronger? Or how should I be stronger? It's not, can I take more of this? It's, I wonder how much more I can take because you can take an infinite amount and everyone keeps pushing through what they're currently doing, hoping that it'll be easier, but it's actually not. It actually, the problems become bigger. The challenges you want to take on become larger. The things you want to do become exponentially lower probability of being successful because you keep pushing. That's the nature of us being humans as entrepreneurs. We actually want problems. We might call them challenges or goals, but actually it's a problem. So if you look at your goal setting, to me it's my problem setting. Here's the thing I want to achieve. So the problem is right now I don't have that. How do I solve that problem? Whereas put the label you want. It's much nicer when you call it a vision board (laughs) as opposed to all the crap I don't have in my life right now that I'd like to experience. A challenge board. (laughs) Imagine that board. (laughs) Crap I want board. Oh, Maybe that's something we can, maybe that's our side of it. And so I think in the nutshell, all you're really talking about here is how you're actually responding to what's in front of you, good or bad, because, you know, there are good problems, there are bad problems. We can get into how you define good and bad. Yeah, Um, that's however you want to feel at the time. But what we're talking about is actually how do you respond to the situation? And if you respond to it in the woe is me, throw my hands up, well, that's not great and that's probably the victim versus here's my opportunity to shine. I get to show the world what I'm made of. I get to push my business further. I get to get stronger muscles, whatever it might be. That's really this this growth point here, pardon the pun. Good and bad things are going to happen. If you can make them all positive, even if the outcome's not great, that's what a victor is. At some stage in your early experience, you're going to learn that business is the same. It's just the relative size in which your business is that changes. But actually, the process is simple. I need to solve that problem to get to the next stage. But there'll always be another problem, challenge, whatever it is. 
So you actually have to love solving problems. You have to actually enjoy waking up every day, fixing something you've never done before, because that's, that's growth, which is if nothing changes, nothing changes. But it's an attitude that we're talking about. It's identifying when we fall back into the victim mentality. And some of the things that help in your growth rate, where I think the changes have been for us, is you find yourself slipping more into a victim mentality when you have less I guess, less of a um, safety net. So when you know that if this doesn't work, you'll be out of business next week, that's a big battle between trying to be positive in terms of, I need to push through, this is part of the journey and all that. As opposed to when you start to get some resources behind you, you might have cash flow there that can support you for a few months. So when you need to pivot, you're not starving. It does get easier from that sense, which is you're starting to get some more supportive infrastructure around you. That's the enjoyment of as you become a more successful business, the stakes are still as high, but at least you've got some air to breathe when things need to change or you want to try something as opposed to when you're small. It's very difficult because you know that if we don't do something really quickly, we're in big trouble. That's quite interesting because that's actually where you personally thrive. <laughs> in, uh, in panic? In panic. <laughs> in crisis. If I said to you, you've got a week or the business shuts down, you'd be on. That's where you come into your own. Yeah, I think I'm probably more suited to turnaround type scenarios when something needs rapid change and movement, not progressive, gentle growth. Yeah. Uh, that bores the hell out of me. And also that's definitely not for me, but I agree with you. And that's something that we've done over the years. Not that we want to create panic. And don't, don't go looking for a week to survive. That's no, not. No, it's- but it's being able to become more focused, targeted and a better operator when things are needing that. In your business, if you're feeling comfortable, you've got to ask yourself, why am I feeling comfortable? Is it because I'm where I want to be? Or is everything under control? Or are we not pushing ourselves at the speed in which we want to push ourselves? There's no right or wrong. It's just you need to check where you're at. And for you, Lana, you're you're more suited to daily operational efficiency in terms of you'll fix problems and solve things as we go. Obviously, as our chief operations person, you're doing that on a daily rate where that, for me, is quite exhausting. That would do your head in. Yeah, that does do my head in. (laughs) And within all of this, I figured out that I've got a two-year turnaround, which is for me to elicit change, it's a two-year process. So if I start a business, I'll do it for six months. I'll have an idea that I want to change it. I'll implement for six months and I'll let it run for six months and then I'll do it again. And so personally, when I figure out what my process was and is, it meant that whenever something negative happened, I knew what I needed to do to turn it into a positive. And so if it was an instantaneous thing like a client issue, great. How do I make sure that I'm not the victim in this situation? Or if it's a bigger thing like changing the entire direction of a business, what was my process? What was my timeline so that I'd never got disheartened of, oh, but it's taking too long? and setting expectations that would push me into the victim as opposed to slowly getting there to allow for that victor process. Yeah, and you're starting from a premise that everything's going to be okay. If we broke this down into smaller business, you have to have faith that you're going to get there. If you don't start with that faith, which is, I know we're going to win and this is part of the journey, it's very, very difficult. If you're still wondering whether you'll survive, you're already submerged into victim mentality. If you don't have that faith, get out of business because no one's going to tell you it'll be okay. There's there's no pat on the head. There's no, (laughs) well done, you've done a great job. You're in a leadership position. It's lonely at the top. You don't get that feedback. 
even doing a great job for a board, yes, you might get a bonus. They're not going to pat you on the head and go emotionally, well done, you've done a super job this quarter. It's not the way it works and you shouldn't be looking for that. As a victor, you have to know that you're doing a good job yourself and reward yourself emotionally the way you need to. This is the point of being a mature leader. You don't need external reinforcement. And a lot of us do need that, so we find it in other ways. Some people buy watches, some people buy fancy cars because they need something to show that they're winning, like a scorecard. But others don't. They just need to be happy with the way things are, and that's good enough. But you have to work out what you need. Lana, maybe we explore a little bit further some of the cheeky ways in which victim mentality creeps in, because a lot of the people would probably not be sitting there listening to this thinking, I'm a victim. Let's maybe play with a few sentences that I hear. We'll start with the smaller ones and get to the bigger ones. But the smaller ones is, I should be paid more for what we do. So to me, that's the number one victim mentality. I should be getting paid more for the effort we put in. And (laughs) why should you be paid more? And that's the reality. And I think the key there is should. Oh, should you? If it's your business, this isn't about value. This isn't about how hard you're working. This is about the end goal. You should be paid more. Okay, go and get a job where you gain what you should be paid but lose your actual reason for building the business. It's very easy and I know that everyone in this room, we've all been through this of I should be paid more. I'm worth more. My time I put into it. You make the decision of where you are right now. And instead of saying I should be paid more, either take action and get paid more or deal with where you are and have a look at the bigger picture. Yeah, the thought process of even thinking that means you're not in solution mode, which is where the victor is. It's how can I get paid more? So I should be paying more means I've already accepted that I'm worth more and not getting what I want. So you've already in the victim energy. Whereas a victor goes, "Mm, I see the value of what we're doing. How can I get paid more for it? And you start to work through the business case. Well, we can service more people. We can get a different type of client. We can offer a new product or service. Every time I hear someone say, my clients don't value us, I'm like, no, 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 you don't value yourself and the clients are just reflecting exactly what you're worth. It's not anyone else external to you that's the problem and you're whining about it. And I'm sorry, it sounds harsh, but it is really important that you can't expect to be highly valued when you've got an attitude of a victim. It doesn't energetically match. People who get paid honestly believe that's their worth And they demand it. And then if you're a business owner thinking that you've been doing this for so long and you deserve to get paid more, whatever it might be, have a look at should you actually be in business, not in a bad way, as in owning a business isn't for everyone. It's nice, bright and shiny. You get an ABN and you've got a business. But if you're sitting here always in victim, can't look for solutions, you can't grow your business, the question is should you actually be doing this or could you go off and get a job and a wage and be happier because there's a different drive that's needed. and It's not a failure. It's an opportunity to say, if I can't get out of this victim mode, what's my next step? Yeah, that's a false opportunity. Because if you're a victim in your own business where you have complete control, you go, well, I can go and get a job where I get paid what I'm worth. One, you're not going to get paid what you're worth because you're a victim. Two, you're going to take that victim mentality over into something else where you have no control. So it's a self-perpetuating thing. Because I think for me, the core thing that we're talking about is control. So a victim cedes control externally because everything is happening i have no control over this where the victim victor sorry even if they don't have that clear idea that they are going to win the end game they know they have control to influence 
the next step. Absolutely. I think that's the, a core principle of it, Nigel, which is you must take full responsibility for everything in your life. Total responsibility. There is nothing that isn't your responsibility. It doesn't mean that scenarios don't occur where situations change, the environment changes. It's still your responsibility because as soon as you don't have that as a mentality, you are totally in victim mode. Exactly what Nigel said. You just can't operate your life like that. It's very stressful because you're starting to wait for things to happen to you or I need scenarios to fall in place in order for me to get this. And on the point of control, sometimes people think they want it, but then they actually don't. And so by going from, say, a business you own into a employee, you actually are allowed to give away the control because you didn't want it. You wanted someone else to be able to say, you have control based on this, but actually not on the bigger picture or whatever it might be. And sometimes it does take the getting into it to realise it's not what I want. Yeah, for sure. And then, but sorry, I guess my point was giving somebody else control and going, okay, this is your area to play in. It also then gives you a face to blame. Yeah. Because this is why I'm where I'm at. Even if you go into that, you're going to go, I still should be paid more. They won't let me now. So you're just taking your control away from yourself and going external. See, I was right. There we go. And still unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we're probably talking at the lowest level of the idea, which is the first attitude of, it's external. But this comes back into daily conversations and daily attitudes towards everything in your life, which is taking back full control and then working out if something triggers for me where I'm, I'm coming out of that victim, which is why is this happening? It's that calibration straight away in your mind of why am I asking myself that question? What should I be asking right now? Because it is a trained skill because we've all gone through tough times. This is the hero's journey. You will keep having this journey in everything because you have to keep acquiring new skills. The reality of it is, is not think positive and you're all happy. That's not the way it works. It is right now I can calibrate where I am, victim versus victor. And then if we throw in the spanner in the works, which is, okay, now double your business in 12 months. Oh, we don't have the resources. We don't have this. Great, great. Back into victim. Great. Let's push through that now. And if we stick with that hero's journey thing, what you've just described there is the classic point of a hero's journey, which is refusal of the call. You've gone double your business and you've gone, no, yeah. no, 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 I can't. It's in every one of these books. You have to have that moment before you can get to the next bit. And if you don't have it, you need to create it. <laughs> and so It just so happens that some people's moments are two years and some people's moments are two minutes. Totally. I mean, we've challenged all our, our clients in the performance consultancy that, okay, we started a pandemic back here in March, particularly in Australia. Uh, we didn't. Just to be clear <laughs> on that. So, yeah. <laughs> we did not start it ourselves, <laughs> but we certainly were affected by it. Now, we've said in March, we had the month of calibration to see how the pieces were playing out so we could see the best way to position. Then it was, okay, well, by December, everyone needs to double their business. And there was huge pushback, like, whoa, 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 we're still seeing how this pandemic plays out. There's things we have to consider. No, 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 I've told you to double your business by December. What do you need to do? Oh, no, 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 we can't, but you don't understand. My business is going to be affected. No, 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 this is what I'm telling you you need to do. And this is the idea of pushing your people, pushing your companies, pushing yourself to calibrate what you need to do to still get to the goal or the outcome that you're trying to achieve. Why has this pandemic changed anything? And for all those who write comments on this, I understand some businesses can't operate. So what was your goal and what are you going to do to change it now? What is going to have to happen for you to get there? 
where I think people don't like the answer is you might have to change a lot of things. You might have to fundamentally change your whole business or life. You know, we've had clients that have had to close their offices down because they want to recalibrate. Maybe they're not going back to an office. There's a lot of things that are big moves. A victor sits there and says, I see the challenge. Let me work back with what I can do and where there are gaps. How do I seek out that information or new knowledge? What then becomes unreasonable? Because the really successful entrepreneurs, they're setting themselves the most unreasonable goals and things that they want to change in the world. Smaller businesses, have the same mindset, but their impact is local. I want to be the best electrician in my suburb. Your question at the start of this was, if anyone's listening, what do you do to get out if you're in a victim mentality? And it comes back to that one infamous idea of winners always want the ball you back yourself middle of a pandemic and you have to shut up shop and you have to change things. You're the person who wants the ball to double the business, to make the change, that you've got the right people around you, the right mentors, the right strategy, you've got things in place. And even if they change, you're the one with the ball. The victim says, no, can't control it. The victor says, I don't care what happens. I want the ball because I trust myself. Yeah. And that's the strength of the leader in a company. Where do they want to take responsibility? Where do they shy away from responsibility? Where do they shy away from conflict? Where do they shy away from things that need to be done that aren't always easy to do? Even a conversation's difficult, a decision's difficult. It's all relative to where you're at in your business life cycle. I guess then when we touched on it at the start, which is when does it actually become easier? It becomes easier in a couple of ways. It becomes a lot easier because you accept that that's your role, so you don't have all the emotions tied with when things happen. So the scenarios don't change, which is challenge, new knowledge, execution, growing, but you don't have the anxiety, the worry, because you understand that's the game. Where it becomes easier is that you've detached from the emotion around it. You've actually become a leader and actually stepped into the role you're meant to be playing, which is I am not attached to the emotional side of this. My job is to lead us to where we're going. Everything else becomes irrelevant. Most smaller businesses still are emotionally attached to every decision. And a lot of people out there will push back now. They get quite angry because they'll be like, you don't understand businesses about people. Oh, no, I understand that very, very clearly because your job is to lead the company to where it needs to get to, not at the expense of every time you need to make a tough decision. You don't make it because you're not actually leading. Anytime you're actually getting to a point where you have to make the decision, you're coming from a victim because the victim sits there and waits. A victim doesn't move. A victim delays. A victim wants to gather more information that they can't get. They'll hide behind needing more analysis. Sometimes you actually have to make a decision with the information you currently have, and it might turn out in the fullness of time that it was the wrong decision for now, but the right decision back then. And this is what I think stops a lot of growth. And again, <laughs> just throwing quotes up, lose the battle to win the war. And that's what a lot of people who aren't leaders can't see is that decisions are made because it doesn't get easier, you get better, that you actually have that experience that says, I know exactly what's going to happen in the next five steps. So I'm not looking right now. 
I might have to fire five people because that's the battle, but the war is that I get to save 50 jobs. And it's the people who aren't able to actually see that strategy and that next step that when you've had experience in it, you get better at interpreting data, making decisions, seeing the bigger picture and not getting pulled down into the day-to-day. Yeah, and am I still allowing the growth of the company to operate unimpeded by the emotional decisions I need to make? Let me give a more personal example. I think I gave it on a podcast 12 months ago, which was a person I knew who owned a company and he wanted to go and see his first child's recital. And he had missed the deadline on a very big contract for the company. And the guy came up and said, sorry, we're not going to be able to get it out by Friday afternoon. Um, I've got to go to this recital. And by the time I come in next week, we're going to miss the deadline. We'll have to tell the client that we're unable to deliver. And this was a big project for a big multinational company. He says, well, that's fine. You want to go to the recital, but there's no point coming back Monday. You've lost your job. It's like, what? I've been here for five years, loyal, done late nights, done all this. And the guy said, he says, it's got nothing to do with that. This company needs to deliver this result because it's for the entire company and it changes everything. If you didn't deliver that and you're now choosing to do that, well, that's fine, but you won't have a job Monday. I need to find someone who can deliver this. There's a lot of other circumstances go in this, but there's an ability or a thought process around that, that you have to be able to make really tough decisions at times. Because if this company lost that client, which would have happened if they missed this deadline, because it was a two-year project, that's the end for the company. Everyone loses their jobs. And he wasn't prepared to do that. Now, you can fight both sides around, surely he can go to the recital and come back over the weekend. They weren't sure if they could get it done. So it was no one going home. It's brutal because these are the big decisions that from both sides you can understand it. But you've got to work out from your company what is, the, what is your role as the leader and what are you doing when tough decisions come. A victim is also, well, I can't make that decision. You know, he'll never get to see his child's first recital ever again. He's going to miss that opportunity forever. But that's not really your decision. Your decision as a leader is to deliver what you had to deliver. Everything else almost becomes irrelevant and it's brutal, but it's this whole thing of what is your role and how do you approach it? Now, from the flip side, if you're a completely hopeless leader, manager, and it's because of your mismanagement, that employee should walk out and should find another job because you're the problem. So that's the other thing. You've got to be able to back it up. (laughs) And this is where it becomes more challenging. This victim versus victor discussion is probably one of the most important ones that we've had in here and one of the most important ones as a business person and as a person person that you can actually have because we do a couple of different exercises within the performance consultancy that are one-off exercises. Other ones have to be done on a daily, monthly, weekly basis. This victim versus victor thing, you don't make a decision once to go, I am now the victor and everything else changes. This is every time something comes up that challenges you, you have to make that choice again. So again, for me, it comes back to control. The only thing I can control in my life is how I react to each individual situation. Sometimes I screw that interaction up. My job then as the person on the growth path to becoming a victor most of the time is to minimize as much time as I can in victim and then get onto Victor straight away. Yeah, totally. And I I think that's the challenge for all of us to recalibrate. And the danger is, and where I see it a lot, is people then giving away their power, which makes them more problematic. So they'll go, whatever you think. So actually they get rid of their power. So they've become more irrelevant. Now, instead of actually calibrating for them what they need to do, 
they just go, do you know what? It's just easier to let the person have what they want, which kills innovation and growth. And this is the challenge we all have as leaders, empowering people to be victors and approach things with faith that we're going to get there, but enjoy the conflict in when things are different. That's where the growth happens. As soon as someone decides not to be in that, what they've actually done is just pushed off the responsibility. This is the challenge and the art form of of managing and leading is finding the balance. And I think you've hit on a key point in there because I want to keep bringing back the story circle to put a frame around this that I understand. In all of these story arcs where someone chooses to be the victor, they've been the victim in the beginning. That's act one of any movie. We're all in our own movies in our lives. Anyone that goes through to being the victor in the movie or the hero, they pay a price. By choosing to be a victor doesn't mean that it's all going to be scot-free. It means that, yeah, you are going to have a toll at some point. Accept it and go, well, this is what I'm going to get for it. Well, I agree 100% of 90% of that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not done because of what you'll get from it. It's not, oh, I'm going through this to pay for it. It's done because it's the only way to live your life. You don't know what the outcome is. That's a fantasy the same way as the fantasy around the problem. So if you follow the problem down to the sky is falling because something's happened, equally on the other side, this whole yin and yang idea of it's equally balanced. You actually have to just be clear on the pathway you're trying to go down, but you have to be present in the decisions that are positive today based on faith and being victorious. I know we'll get through this. Now, what do I need to do? Yeah, I think that's what I was talking about. It's the faith that you will benefit from it. And I think another important part of this is that a story circle is a circle where you said it it gets easier. I don't believe it does, in my personal opinion, because you come to a new point where that's your new normal. If you've got the right journey going, you're going to face another challenge which puts you in that uncomfortable zone again. So you have to go through this cycle over and over again. But I think that's different, Nigel, because we're not talking about not being uncomfortable. We're talking about being easier. So when every day is potentially losing everything you've built for, that's quite difficult on a number of levels. When you start to put infrastructure around you to support what you're doing, you start to enjoy the new growth phase of your business, of your personal life, because you've got some infrastructure to use. If you've got a million dollars in cash in your bank account, that's a lot easier than having nothing. Because when you start to feel unease, you know you can draw on resources. So you start to feel more confidence. You start to get more momentum because you know that you can be more aggressive with those discussions. When we're a small business, we're analyzing because every decision is life or death. When we're bigger, they're not. They're just, bloody hell, we've just lost a couple of hundred grand. Even with that, with the confidence that comes from having, let's use that example of a million dollars in the bank. If you approach the same problem again, that same decision between victor and victim, at that same level, that's easier. But with a million dollars in the bank, your confidence goes up. You're going to start taking bigger risks or take bigger punts, which is going to put you into a new level of uncomfortability, which you can't see yet. Does that make sense? For me, it comes back to not easier, but you're better. So you're more equipped because you've been through it before. You have a bit more confidence. To Tim's point, you might have cash behind you, but the circle will continue. You just get better at dealing with what comes from the circle. I guess the question then becomes, how do we grow as a company? So when we talk about growth and change, generally a track record of making better decisions from a positive point of view, which is, okay, this is where we're going. This is the challenge, how I'm going to move forward. 
the infrastructure you have around you is the resulting evidence of the way you operate on a consistent basis. It's very easy. Look at your own life now. Have a look at the infrastructure around you and you'll see where you're spending more time as the victim or victor. Conversations, relationships, everything like that is exactly the result of how you manage your life. And people go, but you don't understand. Great, you're already in the victim again. That's exactly why you're suddenly going straight back to your problem. And everyone pushes back on this because they don't take full responsibility. You are where you are based on the way you manage your life and the way you approach your life. How can you argue the other side? The irony here, though, is that the only way to get comfortable with this all is to face problems. A victim runs away from problems, but the only way to get through problems is to have bigger, better problems that you can keep fixing and growing from, which is the irony of everything we're talking about. Yeah, I look at this all the time, not just in business. I've got a whole lot of friends and they come up with, it's so hard to find a partner or it's relationships. I go, great, how, how much time are you investing in them? Oh, not much at the moment because I'm very busy at work, so I can't. Exactly that part of your life is a reflection of how you approach that. Oh, it's so hard to find someone these days because of all the apps and dating. Isn't it easier? Oh, no, you don't understand, Tim, because, you know, you're married. It's just a different world. No, it's how you're approaching that world. There are still millions of people every day finding partners. It's the same in business. It's tough in my industry. No, it's not. It's just tough in your business, in your industry. Everything comes down to here's my problem and how are you approaching it? And this is the challenge that all of us have is when we push buttons, people get upset because no one wants to admit that they're a victim. And also, if anyone does think this is a bit harsh, find comfort in the fact that the three of us do it to each other all of the time. Why are you choosing to feel that way is a very common <laughs> line that we all say whenever we slip into victim or woe is me. And it's a real kick up the butt to actually get moving and go back to the fact that none of us are victims, even though sometimes we will feel that way. And this is who you have to surround yourself with. People who will allow you to feel it, but also tell you to get out of it. Just remember, we're listening to podcasts that we've called Backable, (laughs) which is we're looking at the top performance habits. This isn't for everyone. Having a life like this is quite difficult because it's quite confronting, but you've got to work out what it is for you. You can't have it both ways. The way I look at it is the difference between professional and amateur. If you choose to want to go somewhere and you made that decision, then that might be a path you're going to learn to have to be a bit different. The way that you calibrate emotions might have to be a bit different. The way that you see the world might be a bit different. The way you look at relationships might have to be different. Because when you're in a professional organization, I mean, I love to think about professional sports, which obviously I'm, I'm a fan of professional sports more from the way the organizations operate, by the way, than the actual games. Let's look at a professional sports person quickly. You've got someone that since they're probably four or five years old, have dedicated their life to practicing and training. Basically, they made no money. They finally get through as a 20-year-old. They get injured and they get cut. It's the end of their first 20 years of focus in their life. The average professional sports star in Australia has got about a two and a half year professional career. After all that dedication, That's professional. You look at it and go, oh, they should get rid of that player. He's hopeless. Yet in your own life, if I had to point out where you're hopeless, and this is the thing I love, like Lana knows I can't really sit at sporting games anymore because I think people are idiots because they're looking at these people who've dedicated their life to an endeavor. They're doing their very best and they might not be able to cut it at a professional league. And the first thing that all the amateurs watching people giving opinions on why they should get rid of that player 
You're literally sitting with a hot dog and a pie watching people who've dedicated themselves to a mastery in one endeavor in life. And you're sitting there between the chugs of having a beer and eating going, that person really should, they should get rid of that person. It's so silly because then when you look at them, if you took the same analysis or benchmarking for everyone else in their own life, you realize how people let themselves off the hook in every endeavor. And that's what we're trying to obviously change. And it's not meant to be a negative thing. This is like, where am I not performing where I could do better? You've just reminded me of Formula One, I think it was about three weeks ago, and Mercedes didn't finish first. I think they finished second and third. And they were interviewing Toto Wolf, who is head of Mercedes. And he said, we're going to watch the tape to figure out where we went wrong. And it wasn't in a negative way, but it was this almost inspiring, we didn't get first, but we're going to figure out why. Yeah, the most successful team in modern history because they didn't win it. They came second and third or whatever it was. They're analysing it as though it was a disaster because that's the standard of what the highest performing level is. Without any negative emotion. And that's what really, really impressed me when I was listening to him because I think he's fabulous. This has happened. How do we make sure that this does not happen again? I think you've tapped onto something, Lana, that is really important in this conversation because I think this is where I've identified in a lot of businesses why I think this is harder than it actually needs to be. I think if you don't trust the people you work with, you go into victim mode. So if I look around here, I'm like, I trust 100% the people I work with right now in terms of who they are, their abilities, and how they execute. All that's left is, what could we do differently that would get us a different result? If I thought the person wasn't doing, if it was a personal thing, that's when the cancer of this victim mentality goes in. And as soon as you're at that point, you have to check yourself and go, well, even if you're wrong, you're still right by not having that person here because they're distracting you. Now, if you're completely hopeless, you'll get rid of everyone or just be you sitting there and you'll realize you're the problem. So there's a little bit of self-awareness that comes up, but this works when you trust the people, first of all, that you're working with. You never have a supplier issue if you trust your supplier. You never have a management issue if you trust the management because you're working on what didn't happen, not I don't trust you or don't think you're good enough. And that's a very important ingredient when you start to institutionalize this in your company, which is where am I not trusting people? Because on some level, that's where you've given power away. If you don't trust the person, make a decision. Oh, but I'm not sure. Great. So you're the problem. It's a horrible infinite circle that comes back to how you're approaching your life and the decisions you're making in your company. So the takeaway for all of you that have navigated your way to this part of the (laughs) podcast is where can we lift the standard in our business and where are you personally playing a victim in your life? Where have you allowed a situation to be external to you? Where's a relationship that you don't believe is calibrated the right way? Why haven't you changed it? Why haven't you gone forward? If you start to take the things in your life that aren't getting the outcomes you want, where are you taking positive effect rather than waiting for something to change? Because as soon as you approach life like that, things become a lot less stressful because you take back control and you don't feel like you're not empowered to do anything about anything that's in your life. Lana, Nigel, let's do it all again next week. (laughs) See ya. that's the show for this week thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed of course you can head on over to backable.ai to access all the downloadables we put together 
And if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodimo, then make sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. As always, if you enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. That's all from us from now. Have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.